Welcome to Ghostly. Is the Drury Lane Theater haunted? Ghostly is a podcast that comes out every other week. And in each episode, we take a ghost story or paranormal event and look into its complete history. Rebecca then gives us evidence proving that the story is real. And my job is to debate those pieces of evidence and get you, the listener, prepared to vote on if it's real or not. If you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. And as always, we're your host. I'm Pat. And I'm Rebecca. So what's been going on, Rebecca? Well, I could ask you the same question. Yeah. Well, we had a really fun book club. We did. We did. I think what's been going on for us is the same. Yeah. Super fun. Yeah. We've had a busy, ghostly couple of weeks here because we had the book club. We put out two episodes in the last two weeks. Yeah. If you haven't noticed, go check your feed. And, you know, a lot of people don't listen to our bonus episodes, so... This one is like like a real episode. It's on the Hotel Cecil. Yeah, and uh, we had uh, we were on Bob After Dark, technically. Yeah, but or he it was, was on also us. Kind I don't of know. ghostly. <laughs> yeah, we really combined the two shows. We so. did. Uh, so that was super fun. And then yeah, we had our uh, ghostly book club, which we do quarterly. Yeah, and uh, this was on the Billy the Kid episode. Yeah. So we talked so much. What was the name of the book? Half Truths, Half Truths, and Tall Tales of tall Billy the tales, Kid. Yeah, and uh, it was a uh, it was a it was a very weird book, but super fun. Well, reading the book, we learned a lot about um, Bushy Bill, Bushy Bill, and uh, just a lot of the 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 claimants. Yeah, I <laughs> I find it really hard not to think that Bushy Bill was Billy the Kid. I mean, you know, you don't want to think it, but man. Yeah. Uh, well, I do want to think it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like that idea. It is a cool idea that he, he lived on for a long time. Uh, yeah. And when we're excited, the next book club will be, I think, uh, mid-July. Uh, yeah. Pushing it back a little bit because of uh, 4th of July. So uh, still plenty of time for you to sign up. How do they do that? You go to ghostlypodcast.com slash book club or just click on book club. When you get on there, yeah, and there'll be a, a link to sign up. So uh, we do have some shout outs or a shout out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are two ways to get a shout out on Ghostly. The first way is to give us a review on Apple Podcasts, totally free to you. Uh, we always prefer the five star reviews, but we'll read any and all reviews that we receive. Now, reviews and ratings are different. Like we had a rating, which actually brought us from a 5.0, perfect 5.0 to a 4.8. So it must have been a like a one star rating or something like that, but they didn't leave a review, so I can't tell you what what they thought. Yeah. Uh, but the other way is to buy us a coffee on buymeacoffee.com slash ghostlypodcast or going to ghostlypodcast.com and hitting the buy us a coffee in the menu or you could even become a member on Buy Me a Coffee for Ghostly. Yeah, and then you get early access to uh, what the upcoming episodes are going to be. And we're working on some more benefits for that. Absolutely. Uh, I, w- I will say um, that we don't always use the money donated with Buy Me a Coffee for coffee, though. I mean... Most of the time we do. We drink we a lot of coffee. <laughs> drink a lot of coffee. But just... I mean, I know it says Buy Me a Coffee, yeah. but like... It's really just to help us. Yeah, it's a way to this. donate to us. <laughs> uh, so we did have Kevin bought us coffee. Now Kevin is a longtime listener and a good friend too. Uh, Kevin's a really great guy. He loves the presidential episode, so we'll have to do some presidential episodes for him. But he gave us some coffees, and we really appreciate it. Uh, Ghostly is uh, our pride and joy, uh, but it is definitely. It's a money hole. Not Let's just say free. that. <laughs> yeah. So we appreciate yeah. any and all coffee purchased. All right. So do we have any listener mail, Rebecca? We do. We do. All now, right. this one's a little bit shorter because I knew this was going to be, be have a lot going on in this episode, um, but I really like it. Uh, so this is from Nicole. Okay. Uh, she says, I'm a somewhat newer fan, though I will say... We received this a few months ago. Sometimes it takes us a while to get to get to stories. Uh, so hopefully uh, she's caught up now because uh, she says, currently getting caught up on your show and wanted to share an interesting experience I had in Syracuse, New York. Ooh. When sitting at the dining room table of a friend of mine, we were talking about what we were going to dress up 
as for the Halloween hayride that we were taking part in. Uh, when in the next room were where her jacuzzi bathtub is, the water turned on at the faucet all by itself, full force. She got up, turned it off by hand like it was nothing, <laughs> telling mm-hmm. me things like this just turn on by themselves all around the house at night. She didn't mind it anymore. I told her that I would not be staying the night anytime soon. I left shortly afterwards and only went back a few times before I had to move out of state for unrelated situation. <laughs> That's it. But I cannot imagine. Like, think about that. Like a faucet turning itself on. But I mean, like I like a bathtub faucet. I like oh that she gosh. was able to turn it off like it was nothing. Yeah, she's just like, yeah, whatever. The spirits turn stuff on every oh, so often. I, I thought that she had like superhuman strength. That it was just like, bam! I could just turn it off like oh, nothing. No. Oh, okay. It was like, That's what I interpreted that as. Yeah, like it wasn't weird that it had turned itself on. Is what <laughs> I would take away from that. Um. So hey, we we want your stories. We need more stories. We always need more stories. Uh. So if you could email us your stories to info at ghostlypodcast dot com. Uh, I do my best to email uh, people back if you email us. So uh, I'd love to to chat with you. Uh. You can also use the contact form on ghostlypodcast dot com. Uh, you can also send us some snail mail at P.O. Box number 264, Geneva, Illinois, 60134. Yeah, absolutely. We we always love getting your stories. And whenever I see one, I forward it to Rebecca and she gets all excited. I do. I get very excited. I love love hearing about it. All right. So now the episode intro, right? Nope. We got one more thing. Oh. We got one more piece of business we got we to gotta take care of. Oh, I don't. I don't know what that is. That so. would be poll results, uh, my friend. No. Everyone's favorite. favorite no, why time. do we always do this? It's like ripping a band-aid off slowly. It's the point of ghostly. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> the listeners get to decide. And that was my concept too. It so. is your concept, yes. <laughs> uh so in our last episode for voting, we talked about Billy the Kid. Uh mm. we had yes, fifty-four point five percent and no forty five point five percent, which I'm very surprised about. So close. People skeptics you gotta start voting or if your team in the middle yeah you know make sure come you on vote. out if you're if you uh, vote yes or no and you could vote by going to ghostlypodcast.com and clicking on polls yep it's that simple um uh, it's a really easy form to fill out yeah and you just submit it and we have it then yeah absolutely all right so this episode is a listener choice episode so we love doing these because it gives you control of what we will talk about, um, which I always appreciate because, you know, we try to put out the best episodes we can, but you guys know better what you want. Uh, the votes were super close in this one. In fact, it ended up in a tie between Jury Lane and the Sausage King murder. So we had to take it to Facebook. And more importantly, we brought it to Ghostly Society to break the tie. Rebecca, how did that end up? Uh, Drury Lane won out by quite a bit, actually. I was surprised. It was neck and neck for a little bit, and yeah. then Drury Lane took off. So so here we are. But yeah, just one more reason to join Ghostly Society. I, You know, I have to say, I was pulling for the Sausage King murder. Well, you know, second place always gets, we always will do that episode. It's just going to be yeah. not quite yet. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I didn't, but I... The the thing about Drury Lane is I didn't realize how big of a story Drury Lane is. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, it's got a huge history to begin with. And um, it also is said to be one of the most haunted theaters in the world. Yeah. So this episode should be really good and a spooky one. Yeah, I think it will be. Uh, it's This is uh, a topic that's close to my heart uh, because... As a grad student, um, one of my my big projects uh, was creating a companion website for a book called Life Mask. And Mm. um, uh, that book actually uh, involves the Drury Lane Theater. Um, This is in the 1700s. And uh, a lot of the book is based in truth, even though the story is like a fictionalized version of that. Uh, So I did a lot of research on the theater mm-hmm. um, and uh, as well as other things. So uh, I'll, I'll put a link to my own website in our show notes if anyone wants to go. 
Good. And I hope that you pop in during the history with some uh, details that I might miss out on. Yeah. Well, again, my 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 knowledge is like of a very narrow time frame, mm-hmm. <laughs> whereas you're covering the whole thing. But uh, but I will add anything that I can. OK. Do you have a ghost story for us? I do. I do. All right, here we go. Drury Lane. I couldn't believe it. I actually got cast in my first big production, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, playing the role of Slugworth at the famous Theater Royale, Drury Lane. It was one of the most exciting experiences of my career, and I'll never forget it. But there were a few incidents that happened while I was there that I've been nervous to share with anyone before. But it's been five years, and I think I'm ready. The first thing that happened was in Chuck's dressing room. He was playing Grandpa Joe, and he is such a character. He asked me to stop by his dressing room before rehearsal one day. We were in our third day of rehearsals, and and I was so nervous that he was going to tell me how bad I was doing. When I got there, I took a deep breath and knocked on the door. Just a minute, he yelled, and then opened the door. He looked so confused. So I said, hi, I'm sorry. I thought you asked me to stop by today. He replied, I did. Sorry. It's just, he trailed off and then continued. It's just, it's just that the the TV just changed the channel on its own. And as he finished talking, we both looked to the TV and saw it change the channel again on its own. Neither of us was near the remote. Now, I just figured it was an electrical glitch of some sort, but Chuck was visibly shaken. He looked at me and said, it's a ghost. I know it. Everyone knows this place is haunted. Now, this on its own is not proof of anything, but it was unnerving. Needless to say, he was not in the mood to talk after this, so I just left and got ready for that afternoon's rehearsal. I was nervous and intimidated by all these professionals around me, and In this one scene we were working on, I just kept missing my mark for some reason. Like, I would think I remembered where it was, but I was always short. After the third time, I could feel the frustration from everyone. At least that's what my mind told me. I was so new. The fourth time, we got to the part, and again, I was just short. When I felt hands on my back pushing, nudging me into place. I must have looked crazy stumbling forward, but I got there. I immediately looked behind me to see who had pushed me. I had a smile on my face like this is a funny joke, but no one was behind me. No one was anywhere behind me. I felt those hands. I don't know who or what they belonged to, but it worked. I never missed my mark again. I've decided that whatever spirit might be in that theater is not malevolent. I didn't have anything else happen, but I think I know why Drury Lane perseveres. Even the spirits there support it and make sure the performance goes on and is the best it can be. Wow. And we've both done some theater. Yes. Um, Man, I would have loved to have had a ghost push me in the right spot. Yeah. (laughs) Because I miss my spot a lot. (laughs) It's hard to remember at all. Um, So yeah, both of those stories are based on on actual reports. Oh, so, yeah. Interesting. So I'm sure we'll talk about that in the debate section. Definitely. All right. So we're going to take a break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about some history of Drury Lane. Can't wait. Hey, guys. What I've learned over the last couple of years is the key to a really good podcast is two things getting plenty of Apple podcast reviews, and lots of caffeine. You can help us with both of those. Head over to Apple Podcast, write us a review, and if you feel up to it, you could even buy us a cup of coffee. You can go to buymeacoffee.com slash ghostlypodcast, or just go to ghostlypodcast.com and click on the Buy Us Coffee 
you can sign up for a membership or a one-time donation to us. It would really be appreciated. All right, welcome back. And now for some hashtag Pat Facts. Pats, facts. From a skeptic point of view. Pats, facts. Keep presenting all to you. Pats, facts, facts, facts. Pat facts. <laughs> so, I, you know, I was thinking about this as we were talking. What so this is in London, right? Yep. And what would you compare it with here in the United States? Would it be like a Broadway play? Yeah. So it's the equivalent of Broadway for for the UK. Yeah, I mean it's in the West End. I mean it's with there's like a, a lot of theaters in that area. Yeah. And it's it's big. I mean it has well, lots of There big wasn't shows. always a lot of theaters in that area. No, that's true. And we're going to talk about that. Uh so this theater has a long and rich history. Many of the things that we're going to talk about, I have heard of, but never really understood until now. Like one of them was that England was going through its Puritan movement called the Puritan Interagrum. Uh, this movement was from January 30th, 1649 through May 29th, 1660. This was after Charles I of England was executed. Uh, Charles I was fighting with Parliament over control of the army. And it led to a big civil war. I don't know if you, I like, I wasn't aware that England had a civil war even. No. Um, but Charles was captured and Parliament voted to put the king on trial, which was something that had never been done before. After Charles died, uh, England didn't have a king again, um, by the way, he was executed. <laughs> like when I say he died, I make it seem like he died of natural causes. No, he was executed. England didn't have a king again until 1660. And during this time, they kicked out all of the supporters of Charles. And the remaining parliament was in full control of the country during this time. So that's weird to think that England didn't even have a king for those years. Is this Oliver Cromwell time? I am not sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I just, but yeah, I know there was definitely a time where the, you know, they they definitely uh, broke away from, um, yeah, th that's, yeah, Oliver Cromwell, so this is Oliver Cromwell time, so when they definitely, the religious uh, people kind of took over. Yeah, yeah. and by religious, uh, sometimes it was the Puritans. Mm -hmm. So the Puritans took control of Parliament and banned what they considered to be frivolous activities, such as the theater. Could you mm. imagine the government banning theater? Yeah, well, the Puritans, I mean, that's taking religion to an extreme. Yeah. You know? There's, yeah, there's a there's a lot of extremists when we when we talk about uh different religions and stuff like that. And those are the ones that it's it's never good, right? Yeah. Um so when Charles II restored the throne, he immediately created two new acting companies. So he kind of gave them a monopoly on theater then, which right, is really interesting. Yeah, it was you had to get permission. But yeah. Is that what you're saying to to open Absolutely. a theater? Okay. Uh, one of which went to Thomas Killigrew, and the company became known as the King's Company. The King's Company built the Drury Lane Theater. So Drury Lane opened on May seventh, sixteen sixty three, sixteen sixty three, as the Theater Royal in Bridges Street. It had a couple of other names. Uh, one of them was the King's Playhouse. Drury Lane was allowed to perform speaking plays as opposed to uh, the King's Theater, which was originally limited to Italian operas. The Theater Royal Drury Lane name often confuses people, even to this day, as the theater's entrance is not even on Drury Lane. <laughs> But it's on Catherine Street, formerly known as Bridges Street. The Drury Lane name probably comes from the Drury House, a mansion built for Sir Robert Drury during the early 1500s, which was situated at the west end of the former Witch Street. 
and near the bottom of today's Drury Lane. Okay. I guess they so, they like the guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Drury Lane was a three-tiered wooden structure, 112 feet long and 59 feet wide. It could hold an audience of 700 people. And to get into Drury Lane, you had to walk down a narrow passage between the surrounding buildings. I mean, okay. So... I know you like to put things in perspective, yeah. right? Like, so let's, this is 1600s, right? Like 16, late, late 1600s or whatever. In America, the Puritans, right, come to America to flee yeah. the persecution of these theaters being opened yeah, and the exactly. king coming back. So just think of what, you know, was happening here in America. And in England, there's a 700-person theater being built. Yeah. Like, and we're just, like, here it's like, can we trade you for some apples? (laughs) (laughs) Well, here we were were still in frontier days. Yeah, definitely. Just anyways, it's just crazy to think about. So uh, performances usually began at 3 p.m. to take advantage of the daylight. Because remember, there's no electricity. No, not even close. (laughs) Uh, The main floor for the audience, the pit, had no roof in order to let in the light. Wow. So they they could get like rained out too. Yeah. And it would just come in the building. But it never rains in England, right? Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) Just rains 20 minutes of every hour, I think. (laughs) Uh, The theater was not like it is nowadays. So, you know, we think of going to theater as, you know... Maybe a, you know, once a year thing, maybe once every other year. I've never been to a Broadway play, actually. Yeah. So one day I got to do day. that. Um, but it wasn't like how it is nowadays. It was a place to see and to be seen. Uh, if you think about it, there were no movies or television. So going to the theater was your one of your only sources of entertainment in those days. Yeah. So, I mean, we have to kind of think of it differently. Everybody went to the theater. Yes. But things didn't go very well for Drury Lane. Kind of like this last year for us, uh, the Great Plague struck London in the summer of 1665, so just two years after Drury Lane opened, and the Theater Royale, along with all the other public entertainment, was shut down by order of the Crown. It remained closed for 18 months. So... I think sometimes we get upset thinking, you know, why are places closing down? Why are they not letting? Yeah, that this never happens. This is never, you know, that's never been done before. It's like, no, that's like what you do when there's a pandemic. (laughs) Yeah, well, they've closed a couple of times. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But during this time, they uh, did do some renovations as a lot of places uh, that are going to stay open after COVID have been doing renovations and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, but it is a difficult time. I mean, it's, it not, is it's not great. Because <laughs> there's no revenue coming in. Then. Yeah. The Great Fire of London was in 1666. So, Ooh. yeah. Uh, but it didn't really affect the theater much. But the theater still did burn down. Oh, no. <laughs> as a lot of theaters did in those days, it burnt down on January 25th, 1672. Wow. So well, you we, said it was wood, right? <laughs> yeah, it was wood. And uh, a lot of times they would put up like a facade in front of it that made it look like it was brick or mm. made it look like it was something else. But that was only like a little portion of it. Yeah. The whole thing was made out of wood. Um, but we mentioned the theater fires in our Iroquois episode. Yes. Um, so it's very, very common. Although I did not find deaths associated with it. So I'm thinking it happened during off hours. Yeah, I did not find any of that either. And none of the ghost stories that we're going to hear today are as a result of a fire. Okay. Yeah. So the King's Company could never really recover from the first fire. They were actually doing pretty well successfully as a theater before this. But after the fire, I mean, they had to rebuild a theater But they also had to replace all their costumes and scenery that were all lost in the fire. But they did rebuild, and it reopened in 1674. Ever since the first theater opened, they were in constant competition with their rivals, the Duke's Company. Where the King's Company did spoken word, Duke's Company did opera. 
Um, eventually, in 1682, with a lot of pressure, they merged with their rivals, the Duke's Company, or more so, the Duke's Company took over. Uh. So buying a ticket was very different than it is today. You were sold a ticket depending upon what class you were in, uh, and the prices were accordingly. So box seats that were usually for uh, the nobles, uh, it cost them five shillings. Uh, the benches in the pit area cost three shillings, and this was for the, like the middle class of the day. Mm-hmm. And the servants or other ordinary people, remember I said everybody went to the theater, so they would sit in the upper gallery and it cost one shilling. So you were saying something to me about that this was a social spot that a lot of times in the pit, you know, they were, they would just talk, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and especially um, then and even going forward into the next few hundred years, I mean, again, if you, if you're a young lady, you can't go to the bars to meet people. <laughs> like you yeah, can't. Women were not allowed. In, yeah. You're in not pubs. going out. Now, of course, there were private parties at private houses. Yeah. You know, but. Uh, where you, you can know, get your drink on. <laughs> where you might be able to, to, you know, meet a young gentleman or a young gentleman could meet ladies. But really, the theater was a place to be social and maybe not be chaperoned quite so closely, potentially. Yeah. Uh, so while and the noblemen, while they absolutely did have their body seats they would also go down to the pit sometimes too because again that was middle class so you know they had some money um and i and it would be a place where people would hang out they'd talk um and it was i mean nowadays if you think about it it, you don't go to a play and talk no that that would would drive me nuts so rude I mean, when we've performed and people have been talking, it is very frustrating and very hard to keep keep on your cue, you know? Absolutely. But the thing is, imagine that the plays then, you know, yes, every season you might get one new play or a couple new plays, but they would they would have basically the same play or two happening over and over again, you know, like during the season. And then they would bring back favorites all the time. So, you know, certain actors were just known for certain roles. Um, So just imagine, you know, going to the movies where like, just literally, they just play the same movie. Yeah, where you've seen months. the movie like 10 times already. Exactly. So yeah. guess what? By the 10th time, <laughs> you don't really need to pay attention anymore. You really just kind of talk to people and hang out and then it's happening behind you. And then guess what? When there's a really great song or a really good joke, it's your favorite part. You're like, shh, shh I got to see this part. And then you watch it <laughs> and then you go back to talking with your friends. Um, so yeah, very different um, experience being at the theater back then uh and it's just it's just different yeah that's it's just totally different way of looking at things uh the new theater struggled though because of unrest in england uh the wages were cut and most of the performers started their own company wow uh yeah but by uh, 1696 it looked like the theater would have to close down for good Mm mm-hmm but then they had a success with a play by John Vanbrugh uh, named The Relapse, which was a comedy. Yeah, not so, common, not, not as common to have comedies too much. No, and comedies were a little different then. Yeah. Like some Shakespeare was considered comedy, right? Oh, yeah. He has put, and they're very, I think they're very funny. So I, I don't understand half of them, so it's hard <laughs> to find it funny. <laughs> you have to, yeah. as always they say, you have to see it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So on March 2nd, 1717, they premiered a new ballet called The Loves of, of Mars and Venus. And it was the first ballet performed in England. Wow. So did those help bring in uh, new people then or bring people back to the theater having some of these new things? I mean, they were starting to have a little bit of success, but really they were pretty much breaking even or, or going into the red sometimes. Gotcha. So the theater was in need of updating by the end of the 18th century and was demolished in 1791 with the company moving temporarily to the new King's Theater in in the Haymarket. A third theater was designed by Henry Holland and opened on March 12, 1794. So this is the third theater at the same spot. (laughs) Yes. Uh, One of the advancements of the new theater was fireproof curtains. Yes. That was great, right? Yep. 
Uh, as is common for theaters to catch on fire, as we said, and the Iroquois episode, they they had the same fireproof curtains installed there. This is interesting. An assassination attempt against King George III took place at the theater on May 15, 1800. James Hadfield fired two pistol shots from the pit towards the king sitting in the royal box, because they had a royal box that they could go to at any time. Uh, The shots missed by inches. King George III was the first king of the United Kingdom. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess leaders don't just get shot in America in theaters, you know? Yeah, right? Or get shot at, right? Yeah, right? Wow. Um, Now... Oh, no, it's Headfield, not Hatfield. I oh, was thinking, Hatfield. oh, no, <laughs> did we? I mean, you said it right. I just okay. was in my brain. I was like, oh, did we send <laughs> one of our <laughs> Hatfields over there? Yeah. Uh, on February 24th, 1809, despite the previously mentioned fire safety precautions, the theater burned down. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the theater that we know of today was rebuilt in 1812 thanks to the help of a brewer named Samuel Whitebread. <laughs> I like white yeah. bread. I like, like white bread. bread. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I actually like that better than the multigrain and stuff. <laughs> I do like wheat bread, but, you know, yeah, I like a good white bread. <laughs> um, the present Theater Royal in Drury Lane, uh, designed by Benjamin Dean Watt on behalf of the committee led by white bread, opened on October 10th, 1812, with a production of Hamlet featuring Robert Elston in the title role. Nice. Uh, The new theater was much larger and could now seat over 3,000 people. Uh, Although they've made renovations since then, and it actually can only sit about 2,000 now. Okay. So they lost 1,000 seats in that process, (laughs) I guess. On September 6th, 1817, gas lighting was extended from the audience area to the stage, making it the first British theater to be gaslit throughout. Exciting. After, I mean, just imagine they had like candles yeah. or weird, you know, lanterns oil or something. lanterns yeah. or something. Yeah. You know, I could not find when they installed electricity in the theater. Mm, I mean, we could probably guess somewhere in the early 1900s, I yeah, would probably. imagine. Uh, the theater struggled financially over the next several years, exchanging hands very often. Uh, the theater was closed in 1939. You know why? You tell me. Because of the Second World War. Yeah, that would make sense. I think we always think of it as a little later, but obviously it was going on in England. Yeah, now going there, um, going to England, it's kind of weird because you will still see buildings that have um, bullet holes from you know the planes and stuff that the Germans were using. So bombing did occur in England. Absolutely. And you don't think of it, like when you think of World War II, you think of it more being in the other part of Europe. You don't right. think of it being in England. Well, I do, well, uh, I do remember I read uh, Chronicles of Narnia as a child and oh, yeah. they would always talk about like they had to get out of London because of the bombing. Yeah. And, yeah, so I, I get it. So during the war, it served as the headquarters for the Entertainment National Service Association. Uh, it, was, it sustained some minor bomb damage, but it reopened in 1946. So it closed in 1939, reopened in 46. Okay. So that's like seven years. Wow. Um, and in 2000, uh, Theater Royal Drury Lane was purchased by Andrew Lloyd Webber. What? Yeah. You didn't know that? I did not know that. And he is rem- it's remained under Andrew Lloyd Webber's control ever since. Wow. Well, I know he's got a new uh, musical. Like, if you go to his uh, Facebook page, you he'll, like, play songs from it and stuff. I think it's on Cinderella. Um, but uh, I wonder if it'll be at Drury Lane. Well, I know that he struggled a lot during the COVID stuff, um, but he did manage to put a lot of his stuff online. He did. He did. My mother, very excited, would watch it <laughs> like every day wow. <laughs> for his stuff. Wow. Well, I mean, those are really good plays, I guess. I've never seen an Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Have you seen any? Yeah. What, what have you seen? I saw Cats. Oh, Cats. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. Cats, it, much better play than it was a movie, I guess. Yeah, that yeah. much much of a musical. Yeah, he he does yeah. musicals, so um, different than opera, different than a play. 
I like uh, musicals. Yeah, musicals can be can be fun. I mean, even though I haven't gone to any Broadway, I've seen off-Broadway versions of Hair and uh, Oliver. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually saw a way, way off-Broadway. Um, it was Fellowship of the Rings. Oh, Tolkien, you interesting. Know, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah, it was very, very interesting. Was it a play uh, or a musical? It was a play, but I mean, it's got some music in it, though, okay. because, you know, that's the way that Tolkien wrote that's everything. That's true. He does have songs. And they tried their best to incorporate that, uh, although I wouldn't call it a musical because it wasn't like every couple of sentences they would break into song. Right. Which, interesting. Which that always surprises me in musicals. It's like, yeah, sometimes it's all sung and <laughs> yeah. sometimes it's intermixed. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love live theater uh, and I miss it and I do it'll too. be exciting to have it back. Absolutely. So do you have anything to add to the history? Um, just that Drury Lane is certainly a historic landmark. Uh, you know, I mean, think about it. It's been around in one form or another since the 1600s. I mean, in America, yeah. you just don't have things like that. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, Almost going to be 400 years yeah. that this place has been open. It's crazy. I mean, it burns down, they rebuild. <laughs> you know, it's pretty. It's pretty amazing. And like I said, it's uh, it's such a. It was such a, a social, big part of social life. Um, yeah. You know, for for people for a long time. And I remember um, I studied in England in college, and uh, when oh, my la-di-da. yeah, well, when my <laughs> uh, my mom and brother came to visit. We, for sure, one of the first things we had to do was to go and and get tickets for a show. Um, at Drury it, Lane? Uh, I don't think it was at Drury Lane. Um, but anyway, it, just that whole area is just full of theaters and it's super fun. Um, we saw an Agatha Christie play that, that I, I don't know if it's still playing now, but it had been uh, playing for a long, lot of years. Um, and it was, it was great. What, so. what I found really interesting is that uh, although it was government ordered you know right to to open but i don't think that they donated any money or did anything like that yeah i mean if they did it was yeah not enough not enough and only probably at the beginning but i do know for a long time you had to have and maybe you still do have to have like a charter from the government or open a theater like it, in london at least you know wow, you can't just crazy. open one or, or you couldn't i should say uh because it was it was definitely a regulated Industry and like you said, yeah. even the kind of plays or operas or whatever was controlled. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, super interesting, and uh, uh, I can't uh, wait to give you the ghost stories. But uh, I just do want to put out that um, you should definitely try to support your local theater companies because they're struggling right now. Yeah, not all of them are big drilling. And it doesn't even necessarily mean that you have to donate money to them. Mm-hmm. It could be that you like their webpage or it could be that you, you know, participate in some of their online stuff. Yeah, I think a lot of theaters are doing, you know, online versions of things or activities, whatever, um, fundraisers. And you know what, guess what? When we come back, as we're starting to come back, uh, when you feel comfortable, go see a show. Yeah, definitely. All right, so let's take a break and then we'll get to the debate. During this last year, things have been really tough for theater groups. Rebecca and I belong to a production company and theater group called Memoriam Development. Memoriam has several podcasts that we are often on, and several members have been on Ghostly, like Nick, Amanda, and of course, Bob from Bob After Dark. And we have also been in several of their live shows. Obviously, those couldn't happen this last year. So Memoriam has taken one of their most popular shows, the horror anthology Nightshade, and made it digital. They're available to everyone, and you can access them at any time. They've been fantastically spooky, I I gotta say. Right up our ghostly listeners' alley. Live theater is something close to our hearts, and we can't wait to get back to it when we get the all clear. But until then, check out Nightshade and support this Chicago theater group that gives local talent a place to shine. And please consider showing some ghostly love and liking Memoriam Development on all the social medias to find out even more. Thank you. Memoriam 
development. Welcome back. It's time for the debate. Let's do this. Okay. So what do you got for us, Rebecca? All right. So there are so many ghost stories and investigations. Uh, I will link to them in the show notes. Uh, I'm going to try to keep it to the big, most popular stories, but uh, definitely check out uh, all of the the different people that have investigated uh, and the sources for this one. So I'm going to start with the most popular ghost at Drury Lane. Okay. And that is the man in gray. Oh, the man in gray. No mm-hmm. lady in white, no lady in white, but man in gray. Yeah, but maybe he's just dirty. <laughs> it's maybe it's supposed to be white, but he's dirty. Possible, possible. Yeah. Uh, he appears dressed as a nobleman of the late 18th century, powdered hair beneath a tricorn hat, a dress jacket and cloak or cape, riding boots and a sword. Oh, Legend, yeah. Legend says that the man in gray is the ghost of a knife-stabbed man whose skeletal remains were found within a walled-up side passage in 1848. Various people have reported seeing the ghost, including W.J. McQueen Pope, who is a famous theater historian. Oh, I thought he was the Pope. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He described um, the ghost's usual path, as starting at the end of the fourth row in the upper circle, which is like uh, w- like the next level or h- higher level of seats, balcony seats. That's the cheap seats. Yeah. The, the ones that were for one shilling. Right. Uh, and then proceeding uh, via the rear gangway to the wall near the royal box where the remains were found. It has been speculated that the remains were those of a young man who came up to London during the time of Queen Anne. Having won the affections of an actress at the theater, he was murdered by her actor lover in a fit of jealous rage, and his body was subsequently hidden in the secret recesses where it lay undiscovered until the Victorian renovation of the theater. I thought we weren't supposed to do... Different voices. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry, but I just got into (laughs) it. Uh, I mean, I have no idea if any of that is true. Like, it's just a story that people (laughs) can come up with. But here's the evidence, right? So there are many, many sightings of this guy. But one of the most famous or probably the most famous sighting of the man in gray was during a photo shoot in 1939 where 70 actors were on stage getting a photo taken, which, you know, back then probably took a long time to take that photo. Yeah. They all saw the man in gray walking in the seats in the circle area. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Uh, I would say that they probably actually didn't see him, that they just think that they did, <laughs> or that it is a story that's just been told over the years and it's been embellished throughout. Have you ever played uh, Telephone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how that story can get changed along the way. Mm. I believe it's something like that. Um, but I have not found anything about a man that got killed in the theater. Uh, you know, so I don't know. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's just it's a story that's told, and uh, but the 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 multiple people sighting is one that you know is a little bit more recent, and uh, and. I don't know. It's what people say. I think it's just a story. So what are you going to rate it, Rebecca? Uh, so I'm going to rate this one uh, an eight. Okay. 70 people. Lots of people saw this at the same time. So I'm, I'm giving it a high rating. But I wonder when this was first written down. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a two. Okay. All right. Because uh, I, 
I, I don't know all the details like that. Like if I knew when the story was written, if it was 10 years after or something, it could be really embellished. Mm, gotcha. Okay. And that those 70 people could have been two people that saw it and they just said that. <laughs> all right. Uh, another report for the man in gray was a cleaner. Now this is told by one of the house managers or theater managers. He says that a cleaner, it was her first day on the job. She was working on the circle level and saw a man sitting in a seat. She thought he was real, but when she approached and tried to talk to him, he faded away. Or there's different variations. Maybe she turned, and when she turned back, he was gone, something like that. Um, She later described him to the theater manager, and he said she described him just as everyone has said the gray man, what he looks like. Was this before or after the 1939 after, incident? After, after. But supposedly she had not heard of the this ghost, you know, didn't know, you know, yeah. who this was. I don't know. Um, as I said, I've never found any evidence that suggests that there was a man stabbed in there. So given that I can't, I can't assess the reason, it makes it really difficult to believe these stories, and especially since it was her first day on the job. You know, theaters actually could be pretty spooky places when when nobody's there. And if you're just cleaning by yourself, that could be really, really spooky in it in and of itself. Now that she described it perfectly to the to the guy, I don't know. He could have just been humoring her, going along with it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. To me, that that was that was pretty compelling evidence um, that she, you know, again just thought it was like a guy in the seats, and and that is part of the, he's a ghost that has a pattern, okay. right? One of those that like just walks the same yeah. path over yeah, and yeah. over, and sitting in that seat is something that happens. Now, I'm I didn't have this down, but I will just say I watched an investigation where that seat, um, while they were investigating. Uh, all of a sudden they looked back and because they heard something and the seat had come down. Like they mm. didn't see a guy sitting there. So eh, yeah, I didn't put it as evidence because I mean, it could have just fallen down, but it was a little weird. Yeah, but here's the thing too. The theater was rebuilt in 1812 and it doesn't seem like a man would be carrying a sword in 1812 in a theater. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I I. I mean, so I mean, unless he was an actor, which I haven't heard of any actors getting murdered there or anything mm. like that. So I'm going to give this one a one. Okay. Okay. I'm going to give it a seven. A seven. Okay. Yeah. For the cleaner. So you came down a little bit. I came from, down a little bit because it's just one person. Yeah. So. It's not 70 people. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So number three, okay. uh, another ghost is Joseph Grimaldi. And he was, uh, I think he died in 1837, something like that, or that's when he, around the time that he was uh, uh, in the theater. Um, so he's supposed to be the benevolent ghost. Mm. And uh, it, just his story alone as a, as a human, um, super interesting. He's the father of modern clownery. Oh. Like he was the first one to do the clown makeup that wow. we think of as clowns today. I wonder how that sold. You know, I, was, people were probably like, "What the <laughs> heck is going on here?" They loved him, and yeah. uh, that's why sometimes clowns are called Joey's. Oh, yeah, because yeah. his name was Joseph Grimaldi. You know that clowns were not originally made for children, right? Oh yeah, no, he was like in the theater, yeah. like he did like acrobatics and wow. that kind of stuff. Um, so he was um, super. Uh, big entertainer, super kind during his lifetime. Uh, he basically, since the age of three, was doing this and he was always trying to help people, but he was crippled completely by the age of like 40 Wow! because he did all this stuff. Um, and so they they gave him like 100 pounds annually from the jury lane, like just in recognition because mm-hmm. obviously kind of gave his life in some ways. Um, he died in his early 50s, I believe. Uh, but they, uh, a lot of actors, um, ushers, cleaners, people believe that his ghost um, gives them mischievous kicks as they perform their duties. <laughs> um, most helpful is his spirit's frequent assistance to nervous performers who are struggling with their roles. He holds their shoulders, guides them on stage. That's the story that I told earlier. 
um, pats them on their shoulders when they are successful. <laughs> um, and then this part is a little gruesome, so a warning. But um, supposedly, according to uh, London's Haunted Theaters, one of Grimaldi's final wishes was that his head should be removed from his body prior to being buried. And that supposedly that happened. Um, and so sometimes people also just see his white face in the theater. Hmm. Um, but I'm going to go with the people getting, um, feel him like pushing them or nudging them on stage, grabbing hair, um, patting them on the shoulders, that there's a lot of those stories. So the thing about the head is actually a... Um there's a lot of stories of theater owners or people that worked in theaters that wanted their head removed. Really? Why is that? Uh, well, I don't know why, but it's just one of those stories that keep getting told over and over again. Like even in Chicago, uh, Improv Olympics, uh, Del, Del Close wanted to have his head removed and the, the skull to be used in uh, Hamlet. <laughs> Was there a skull in Hamlet? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's... That's what he wanted, and supposedly they they did it, but they didn't actually use his head because uh, there was some laws. Oh, or I was something. gonna say, I'm sure that's not really allowed. Yeah, but this is an ongoing story wow. for theater owners getting their head cut off and stuff. And there's different variations. It's kind of like the Resurrection Mary story in that there is um, vanishing hitchhikers. You know, yeah, it's kind of like how that gets told a lot. How interesting. I did not know that. Uh, So, but I don't know as far as the kicking and whatever. I think that's just people, you know? I mean, like, I don't think anybody's (laughs) doing it. I just think that they're feeling it for some reason, especially the performers and stuff. Because, I mean, when you're performing, you're not really paying attention to your whole body unless you have to, you know? And especially if you're nervous, I get well, or you should be paying attention to your whole body and, yeah. and using it. Well, but, but anyways, you may just not be. <laughs> just because of the head cut off thing, uh, I'm gonna have to go really low on this one. Oh, okay. What would you say? I'm gonna say a zero. A zero. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go with a. I'm gonna go with a seven on this one. Okay. Again, a number of stories, people talking about it. Again, for the most part, um, for the most part, not a complete part, but for the most part. People find the spirits at the jury lane um, benevolent, meaning positive, yeah, as opposed to malevolent. Yeah. All right. So we've got another one here, and this is Dan Leno or Leno, um, and he is uh, Jay Leno. <laughs> he's often called the Lavender Ghost. Oh. So he was a pantomime. Okay, they call him a pantomime dame, which basically means he would dress up as a woman. Oh, okay. Um, and did he ever wear all white? Uh, <laughs> not that I saw in pictures, <laughs> okay. but they were black and white pictures, so I guess I don't really know that. Um, so he actually uh, was also a clog dancer. Oh, so he actually was a world champion clog dancer. <laughs> world champion. Wow. <laughs> yes. Um, unfortunately, though, the uh, uh, the London audiences preferred his like comedy that he would do with the pantomime and the dressing up as as women and comic characters. Um, that's what made him very popular. Um, in 1888, he performed as a full company member at the Theater Royal Drury Lane. Um, and he w- uh, was in the first music hall uh, entertainer. He was the first music hall entertainer to present a royal command performance. Oh, so okay. th- I think that would mean that some royal wanted him, wanted to see him, and ordered him to perform for them. Okay. Um, so he's not really seen so much at the theater. Um, he's more smelled. Okay. <laughs> so every so often, especially I think in the backstage area, people will smell lavender. And I guess he was known to use lavender to hide a medical condition, which was incontinence. Oh. And (laughs) so he like had that uh, scent on him all the time. And so people say they smell it. Um, But there is also a report of rhythmic drumming that comes from his old dressing room, which is kind of the clog dancing, Hmm. supposedly. Interesting. Um, I wonder if that worked for him for the for the incontinence. I don't know. I mean, yeah. my guess is people probably figured it out. Well, ev- everybody <laughs> stunk back then, though. True. True. Yeah. 
Um, people didn't bathe on a regular basis, so. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, but yeah, I mean, this is this is true. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm going to say, I mean, I know that some people say that the smell, um, you know, can be ghost, but I don't think there's anything that really links those two together that I've heard. Uh, so I don't know. It just, to me, it seems like, a smell in a theater like that, I, I don't know. It could be very possible that it could be a leftover odor from somebody that was there or something or mm-hmm. or somebody burning some incense because they smoked a little sandwich or something beforehand. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. And the and the rhythm thing, I that to me, I mean, when you're in a theater, theaters are made to project sound, especially before microphones. True. Yeah. So um, I just, it's one of those places that amplifies sound. So any little sound can sound like it's booming. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. To me, I don't see much in this one. Okay. So what would you rate it then? I'm going to go one. Okay. Uh, I'm actually going to go five for this one. Oh, okay. So you rated it low too. For me, it's lower. I mean, there are a lot of people that say it, but I think you're right. I think a smell... Could be it, but could also just be, you know, somebody wore perfume that smelled something and sure. it just is lingering. Sure. You know, a little, little difficult there. Um, all right. So then I've got one more I'm going to talk about. Now, there's actually, there's a, another ghost, potential ghost that's associated with this ghost, but I, I, I it, it's hard to tell the difference. And this is the one they talk most about. So it's Charles Macklin. Mm. And he uh, passed away in 1797, um, a tall, thin, ugly ghost who wanders the backstage corridor, um, though in watching an investigation, um, a medium seemed to also contact him out in the theater seats. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Um, but uh, he's thought it, his spirit is so it's thought to be this. Uh, he's a he's an, an Irish actor and playwright. He was a bad-tempered guy. He got into a lot of arguments and lawsuits. Um, so this is all documented stuff. And in, in 1735, while appearing in the farce Trick for Trick at Drury Lane, Macklin uh, fought over ownership of a wig with Thomas <laughs> Hallam, another actor in the play. Nice. So he's extremely angry. He pierced his adversary's eye with his cane and the injury inflicted um, before many witnesses damaged the brain of Hallam, who died the following day. Ooh. Macklin was charged with murder, received a manslaughter conviction. So the ghost is said to be Macklin, um, wanders the corridors near the site of where that happened. Yeah, that's why you don't take somebody's wig when you're in theater. <laughs> I mean, you know. They got what was coming to that. Don't one, touch somebody's wig, man. Yeah. Uh, okay, so during okay in 1981 during a performance of the pirates of penzance nick bromley the company manager was standing in the wings one night watching the performance when suddenly he was pushed violently from behind he spun around but found that nobody was there the next night an actress was standing in exactly the same spot when somebody tugged on her wig from behind she too found no one behind her when she turned to investigate now that could be that could be his wig Joseph Grimaldi, mm-hmm. yeah. but it seemed a little more malicious, so okay. it, they put it more towards Charles Macklin that hmm. did those things. But hard to know. So uh, the the theater as it stands now still has some spots that were from the older theaters, mm-hmm. um, but I believe it's like the basement or something. It's yeah, like it's in down the foundation. Below. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yes. So you know. 1797 was before 1812, mm-hmm. if I'm doing my math correctly right. there. I just, like, that was a different theater. And actually, it was not in the exact same spot, too. They It moved slightly because it, it went more towards the street then. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. To me, I just don't understand why someone that died in 1797 in jail... Um, would be, you know, haunting a place that was made in 1812. Well, again, it's the theater, though. And like you said, the foundation's there. Um, you know, the, the media... Well, they say they say that the, that the foundation's True. there. I've never actually seen proof of that, too. Mm. So, But that's what they say. I will say, I mean, so 
again, they're just the the, uh, the medium that I watch. And again, I'll put a link to this. It's uh, an episode um, of a British uh, investigator show. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, he was basically talking to um, like a, uh, this guy and another guy um, that had both been in like fights or something. And they anyways, it was that they they were frustrated. They wanted the real story told and like what really happened and it wasn't what they got convicted mm-hmm. for. So basically, you know, yeah. upset about it. I don't it. know. He really doesn't like people with wigs. I guess not. Yeah. I don't know. All right. So what's your rating for this one? I'm going to give it a one. Okay. Uh, I'll give it a six. Okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, what would be your overall rating for Drury Lane? Uh, I'm going to say a seven a overall. Seven? Okay. Lots of ghosts, lots of sightings over a lot of years, a lot of history in that place. So, Do you believe that this is one of the most haunted theaters in the world? Yeah. You do? Okay. I do. I After mean, this, looking through your research and everything. Yeah. I mean, most theaters might just have like one ghost, yeah. you know, one thing that happens. No, this but place- do, But do they have a man in gray? You know, that's what you need right? to ask yourself. I mean, it's it's <laughs> very significant. Uh, and, and and I like that it's benevolent ghosts. I mean, like I said, I didn't- Well, that even... last one doesn't sound like he was benevolent. No, the last one's not. Um, I mean, the man in gray has also been said to like show up before before a theater run if he if you see him before the theater run your your show is going to be success a success oh okay um it's sometimes what they say all right so anyways i just think that it's pretty amazing that this place has uh has a lot going on and a lot of stories behind it well i'm gonna give it a two overall okay yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that it's haunted at all. Mm-hmm. But then again, I'm not there to be able to investigate it or anything like that. Um, from what I've seen, um, people argue all these points too. So we're yes. not we're not alone in that. Definitely, there that is, is there's a lot of skeptics over there in the UK. So yeah. And if you are a skeptic in the UK, make sure to vote no for this one. <laughs> and let us know why. <laughs> let us know why. We uh, yeah. we want to read some of those comments. <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us to the closing arguments. This is our last chance to convince you to vote our way. We are each given one minute of uninterrupted time. We will time each other on our cell phones to keep Rebecca honest. Hey. Rebecca. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, and go. All right, the Drury Lane Theater is haunted. This is a place with a lot of drama, a lot of heartache, a lot of everything happening. Uh, People whose careers and lives were made there as actors or, you know, people who had dramatic things happen there. And I just think that um, a lot of people, especially those that that live their lives there as as theater goers, are just or theater actors, I should say, or goers, um, are just attached to this building and want to be there. And you know, we give them names and we try to sort them. I don't know for sure, like who's pushing people or or who's walking. You know, uh, if if it's exactly this person or that person, but I do think that those things have happened. Uh, There's just been too many sightings, too many people seeing the exact same thing over the years um, for me to think that it's all just chance. All right. You finished a little early there. Yeah. Like two seconds early. Exactly. (laughs) All right. You ready? Yes. Okay. And go. So I myself am am a theater kid. I think that's what they're called or a theater guy. Uh, I know Rebecca is too, and uh, you know a lot of my friends are. I've since I've gotten into comedy, and one thing I can tell you is that um, some of these theater people can be a little fantastical. <laughs> you know, they they're into the fantasy. They they write the story. The story sells, and I just believe that these are all stories that are made up by the actors inside the theater itself. I don't believe that there's any credibility to any of these stories. In fact, when you start investigating out these people, uh, except for the one with the wig, most of them don't even exist. You can't find them in there. So I'm going to leave it at that. Vote no. 
<laughs> okay. And where can they vote, Rebecca? Uh, go to ghostlypodcast.com and click on polls. It's super easy. Go do it right now. Let us know what you think. Yeah. Well, actually, wait just a minute before you go vote oh. because- We want to thank you so much for listening. Uh, We also ask that you please share us with your friends and family as word of mouth is our best form of advertisement. Right? Listen together. Debate together. Absolutely. And remember to hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already, although I don't think you would have made it this far without hitting that subscribe button. Well, I'm sure not, but just in case, subscribe or follow. So do you want to tell them what the next episode is? Yeah. I think this was originally your your idea. I don't think so. <laughs> or maybe it was a listener. I don't <laughs> It remember. might have been a listener. I don't know, but I'm excited. Uh, we're going to be talking about the HMS Queen Mary on the next episode that comes out on May 26th. Yeah. So that's going to be a lot like the Eastland disaster, I'm, I'm assuming. I don't know. Or the Titanic? Or maybe. Yeah, yeah. So but it's going to be kind of one of those kind of boat. things. thing. Yeah. I'm excited. Boats kind of freak me out a little bit. Well, have I ever told you that? No. Well, because, you know, like you're in the middle of this body of water mm-hmm. and like, yeah, there's nothing around you. It's magic. And have you ever been on a cruise or anything? No, I've not been on a cruise. I've been on many boats. Have you been on a boat late in the evening? Yes. When it's pitch black? Yes. That is so creepy because you look <laughs> out, you barely see the water even. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of creeps me out. <laughs> it's but fun. until next time. Stay ghostly. Bye.